Hello and welcome to the Watford Jazz Junction podcast. I'm Chris. And today I'm chatting with Jelly Cleaver. So, guitar and songwriting talk coming right up. Hello, 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 and welcome to episode three of series three of the Watford Jazz Junction podcast. The sun is shining both outside and here on my computer screen as well, as I'm joined by guitarist, singer, songwriter, musician, Jelly Cleaver. Jelly, how are you? Yeah, I'm good, thank you, Chris. Whereabouts in the world are you locked down currently? Uh, I'm in Camberwell. Uh, I was just chatting before. I am in a house full of musicians, which is quite handy during lockdown. Are you all sort of vying for... For, look at me or are you all working together what type of musicians well i'm uh, unfortunately i'm i'm the quietest you know I, I play my guitar unplugged but you know we've got a sax we've got a, a cello you know lots of things which go through the walls and annoy our neighbors <laughs> oh, God, i bet so how many of you are there just three four of yours uh, there's five of us actually which is very hard to find a house in in, in london uh, with five people but we're all um all female musicians all all band leaders all all composers um so it's yeah it's a good energy (laughs) so do you do you get to play with each other or is it all just sort of solo projects and but you go out and other musicians yeah we do we we actually had um a gig on last weekend where i was doing a gig for popular union uh, which was a women in focus special i thought you know what why why not just give everybody a five for one deal (laughs) and present the five different bands and we all just would rotate who was who was um having the the mic at the moment um um, and we did each other's songs and yeah it was really fun <laughs> it sounds awesome i'm going to create a new um noun and i shall call it musicism it's like you're all together and sharing the music so tell tell me and tell our, yeah. our our listener no i'm sure there's more than one nowadays all about how you got into jazz in the first place and what your musical journey's been because i know it's not just grounded in jazz it'd just be nice to know where you started yeah, it was a bit of a bumpy ride, to be honest. Uh, yeah, I picked up music when I was really young because uh, my dad was a guitar teacher. Right. Um, so there were naturally all these big, beautiful guitars hanging around. And as a kid, I just wanted to play them. So, you know, I, I always say pretty much as soon as I could hold it, I did. And there's actually pictures of me with like a mini guitar and my fingers could barely, you know, reach any of the reach all the strings properly. But yeah, I kind of picked it up when I was really young because my dad was obsessed that he wouldn't become the annoying, pushy parent stereotype because he's had way too much of that from experience with being a music teacher. He just left me to it completely. Like, it gave me about three lessons when I was five and <laughs> that was about it for, for teaching. So I'm actually self-taught on, on guitar. Amazing. But I just did all the grades in classical and like you know liked a couple of folk artists you know I didn't I wasn't part of any jazz bands I didn't know a single person who liked jazz at all except for one girl who I got the bus with at school but yeah nobody I knew liked jazz the way I came to it actually is a really funny story um so I used to really enjoy shopping in charity shops um because I didn't have a lot of pocket money (laughs) and obviously you know um with charity shops like a good charity shop you know um you've got your rails and you've got all the cheesy 90s pop and you've got like Bach and you've got um, Chopin, and you've got those. And then you've got all the big bands and Ella Fitzgerald and Frank Sinatra, yeah, yeah. which was, you know, my that's kind of what I started buying. Once once I once I listened to Ella, that was it. <laughs> I was like, what is this jazz? It's amazing. It was it was Ella, it was Billy, it was Louis Armstrong. He got me into it. And then once you're into it, you know, also my heritage is African-American 
once I found out about this music I wanted to find out more about it and then you know I just really got into the history and the meaning and the significance um and how it yeah how it connected to civil rights um I became a complete nerd um I read all the books about it and there's not many books about jazz actually I've read them all <laughs> um, yeah so I know all about Buddy Bolden and the, the Delta Blues and um, Minstrelsy and all this all this early stuff and then all this stuff that these cats were doing in the 40s yeah. and, you know, avant-garde experimentation in the 60s, like I read it all. So for you, how, how important is that reference point back to the early days? Because you're, you're going sort of 1915 onwards, but there's a whole history to even 1915, obviously before then. But when you're referencing Louis Armstrong, the Hot Five, the Hot Sevens, etc., and you're moving through what would have been some very early recordings. Do you feel that that pulses through and is relevant to the music that you make today? Or is that just like, oh, it's nice to know, it's a stepping stone? You know, that's a very interesting question. Um, I feel like, you know, musically, you wouldn't hear the immediate connection. But like I said, I'm really into the history and the sociology of it. And um, and it's mm. and it's completely relevant to the music I'm making. Like, for, jazz has, you know, over 100 years history as a genre. And so much has happened to it in that time people's conceptions of it and everything and and what I love about that early period when it was fresh it was new it was what it was like you know (laughs) rock and roll was and then you know like house or whatever I don't know what the kids listen to I don't know but (laughs) (laughs) but um yeah it was I just love thinking of jazz in that early days context and and for me it it just makes it have so much more relevance now um you can see that it's always been a social music it's come from so much melting pot experimentation counterculture you know just so much passion and so much history and I try and use that to influence my music now yeah so you're self-teaching the guitar despite a musical household and and, and your dad's um, profession and that you are discovering a music for yourself on your terms through uh, these fantastic records did you feel that you needed a need then to connect with others more and more or did you feel, actually, this is all about me and I can spend as much time as I need to on my own? It's just interesting in that sense of collaboration out of that sort of background of spending quite a lot of time probably on your own. Yeah, I mean, like I said... Um... Or maybe, I'm, maybe I, 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 I forget there was the other person on the bus. <laughs> oh, yeah, well, we're still good mates. Um, I didn't find my people, as it were, like until until my you know really early 20s when I moved to London also where where in the world were you growing up sorry uh, Southampton right that as as we've had it before that well-known jazz epicenter yeah yeah uh, so um <laughs> but yeah I I mean I I was doing music all the time and actually I feel like that kind of independence forced independence <laughs> you know I kind of uh, had to do everything myself which is why I ended up being you know a producer because that's the only way I could make the music I had in my head and even then you know like I had to teach myself I can't drum for the life of me and <laughs> like my rhythms like I think of are quite complex so yeah that was a struggle yeah that's kind of how I was drawn to production and probably filled in a lot of the you know being a multi-instrumentalist and a couple of skills like that which I, I wouldn't have have tried if I'd you know instantly had the right people around mm. me probably so did you go through uh, a music college system or did you become a professional musician from from playing and developing your craft outside of a uh, institution yeah again being the outsider you know I, I studied something completely different at uni um didn't really know being a musician was viable <laughs> 
Um, I still don't think it is, by the way. Um, <laughs> Sounds about right. Yeah. Um, but like I said, when I moved to London, um, you know, I did just, I was just so passionate about music and that's all I really wanted to do. You know, I was just trying different things, trying to, and then, and then when I found my people, which took about a year or two, um, then it all started, you know, happening. But yeah, like I said, I'm completely self-taught. I'm still teaching myself, in my yeah. opinion. And um, and yeah, uh, just kind of trying to develop my craft still. So your your people, everyone's going to want to know. So who who were the people? Where were you hanging out? Where were the cats at? Well, I mean, the, the kind of underground jazz scene in, in London. I guess it was kind of through going, just going to gigs all the time. I was just at gigs most most nights, really. Um, meeting people you know I was a bit scared of jamming at first but trying to get up sometimes and chatting to people joined Tomorrow's Warriors and met and also joined their female frontline which is where I met so many incredible female musicians which was super important for me because um, again as a woman you often feel like an outsider especially as an instrumentalist so yeah having having my gals trying to go to jams together and support each other that that has been completely fundamental yeah and the importance of sort of Gary and Janine Crosby, but the influence as well of your peers, how much has that sort of fed into the music you're making right now? Or is that a sort of a backdrop to sort of legitimacy and finding your feet? Yeah, I mean, I guess um, it's, yeah, it's hard to tell of influences. Like a lot of the music I'd, I would, like when I was on my own, you know, I was writing all this weird stuff and I had no idea how I could ever perform it, you know, as a solo yeah. artist. So quite a lot of the music I'm making at the moment is stuff I wrote when I was like 18, 20. But also, you know, I'm writing more at the moment and 100% influence. Like, like I said, I was going to gigs like all the time. So, you know, you just, you just completely soak it up and, you know, you write for your, you write for your people as well. You write for your band. So, yeah, I mean, I'm not quite sure, you know, if you could say this is attributed to that and so much, but it it definitely all feeds in. Yeah. And then, I mean, I'm taken by... Um, a sense of politicism I think in some of your work but it's it's not it doesn't run through all of it and it's like well there's there's a time for this and there's a time for that but I'm really really interested in that sociological and political perspective that you have and how important it feels to you as an artist to tackle what can be really very hard and also forgotten issues is that something that, that bubbles to the front when you're you're writing as a as a dominant theme or is it something you come to from time to time? No, it's definitely dominant for me. I mean, f- yeah, I I, uh, I feel like with my music, like, I need to write about important stuff. You know, like, for me, the mu- my music making and my activism is kind of one. I can't, I can't even, I, I find it really hard to separate um, having an activist message in my music. Sometimes it, sometimes it's fun to just write a song casually. But if I'm, if I'm writing, if I am writing something, like, for a per, you know, I'm writing it for a purpose, like you know, like a social justice purpose. So that's kind of why, yeah, it's slightly wearing different hats. You know, you can just craft something and be like, right, that is, that's a cool, I don't know, chair I whittled, I don't know. But if you are making art, you're making art about something. So that's, yeah, if I'm making music in terms of my art, then yeah, it's definitely all activism related. So that's very interesting, um, I think, to consider your your art as, as a, or your craft but the output that you put the greatest weight on, I suspect, then is when you have a cause and when you are fighting to either reveal something, to share something or to, you know, to express anger or frustration. When you're writing 
just for the joy of the music. What what sort of tends to come out? Is it all, sort, all sorts of random things or is it normally sort of defined around certain feelings and, and moods and stuff? Oh, it's so random. It's so, so random. Love it. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's good for me to explore like different, different parts of my creativity because like I said, I haven't come through any roots at all. So I, in, in a way, it's, it means I feel really uninhibited of just like, being like okay I'm gonna try producing a house track or something today like I could just do that yeah, if I wanted yeah. but yeah I mean at the moment in terms of thinking about crafting like I've I've just been obsessed with disco like old school like you know cool and the gang this kind of insane horn sections amazing Motown arrangements just mind-blowing yeah. um, and I just really think that craft is so impressive so that's that's um, I've kind of formed a new band called All Day Breakfast Cafe um, and just trying to arrange horn parts three-piece horn harmonies and stuff that's been like a crafting kind of mindset and really fun it's one of those things isn't it of detroit that some of those awful tunes they're not good disco tunes but you as a musician you're listening to a horn section it's probably some of the best players that ever put a read to their their lips or whatever and it's unbelievable isn't it and you're listening to it not ironically you're listening to it like god god this is great it's so interesting that, that that's something that's now sparking your sort of a new creative uh, seam in you yeah definitely I mean yeah like I said it is just such good music like objectively well I mean I don't know how you, how objective you can be about music but it's just very good <laughs> it makes me yeah I want to do it <laughs> hey this is a jazz podcast there's no justification this it, it is what it is and it, yeah we, we we're fans of disco we're fans of everything I think so in terms of uh disco is one thing what what else are you sort of working on right now if you wanting to sort of write an EP an album is there something in the pipeline that you're working towards oh yes oh um so i don't know how much i can reveal um i'm kind of working on maybe kind of a few different bits and bobs yes i'm not quite sure yet what forms they're gonna take in terms of like if it's an ep or an album but yes i'm 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 trying to (laughs) i'm trying to get some things together it's just really hard to resource yourself right now of course I mean, if you if you go on to uh, Apple or wherever you get your music, you'll find Jelly's got a couple of singles out there. One is Feeling Fine, featuring the fantastic rapper Shinaji uh, and Maddie Coombs on tenor. And then a completely different uh, sort of style almost, very much that you could recognise as Jelly, but a completely different vibe uh, in another track called In Dreams. Something that I think, Jelly, that runs through both of them is a subtlety in your singing but a precision in what you choose to play. How important is that to you in expressing music? You don't seem to shout. You seem very much to control and and, and hold it back. And that, certainly to someone like me, draws me in. I want to hear the story that's being told. Is that something that's just developed or you've always had that sort of vibe? Mm, You know what? Um, I'm a big fan of um, Victor Wooten's book. Um, I think it's called called The Music Lesson or something. I read it quite a long time ago. because oh, it's just fantastic. I 100% recommend it if you're a musician, even if you're not a musician, um, to read that book. Um, but there was one, well, there were a couple of things he said, but there was one thing which really stuck with me. I can't quite remember the framing of it, but it was something about playing quietly and just seeing the bar silence itself because you were playing quietly and it had to match that energy. And when I was um, when I was doing all my alone <laughs> solo stuff, I used to do a lot of folk <laughs> music as well, like Joni Mitchell stuff. And, um, yeah. you know, super, like, uh, emotional. And um, I, I like to kind of challenge myself to just, you know, if the audience was starting to have a little bit of chatter and stuff, like, to just really drop back and just be super, you know, quiet and intimate. And Well, that's, that's the trick of the, uh, the CEO, isn't it? When everyone else is shouting around the board table, 
we'll often find that she or he is much more quietly spoken and considered because, of course, that focuses the attention. That might not be your deliberate approach, but it's really interesting that you don't feel a need to dominate let the music and, and your voice present in their in their right way. Yeah. And we're loving a Victor Wu-Tan reference. Oh, great. <laughs> he was, <clears throat> I was watching him a couple of years ago, and he was playing some crazy solo, mm. and he threw the bass <laughs> in the air and span, span round mm. with the bass staying in out front, mm. and he did a full 360 and came back and caught it and carried on. That guy's made us something else. I'm like... <laughs> Uh, it's uh, it's it's next it's next level. Um, the folk junction mm. is, is really interesting to me. Uh, we haven't had a lot of folk talk on the podcast, mm. so we've we've had Joni Joni Mitchell reference because obviously she was quite a, a, a jazzer as well. But in terms of the sort of modern UK folk scene or, or whatever you're into, I mean, I know sort of Laura Marling and that sort of Mumford style sort of what has become quite a populist folk thing. But I don't have a great appreciation beyond the sort of pub folk band of, of what of what's out there. Are you still sort of tapped into it? No, not really. I mean, I was definitely trying to be Joni Mitchell. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I have uh, I have a lot of mates in Bristol who are making, you know, incredible music, which, you know, melds a lot of influences, um, folk definitely being one of them, um, about jazz being another one. But yeah, I don't I yeah. don't really know. I don't really know the UK folk scene. Which is probably why I got yeah. into the jazz scene. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting as well bringing up Bristol because obviously this is the Watford Jazz Junction, so it tends to have a sort of London centricity to it, which isn't deliberate. It's just one of proximity, and you know, there's more going on in the capital that I'm aware of. But Bristol has obviously got a great jazz scene. I I I was there for a few years. There's all sorts going on and it seems a much more natural conversation in Bristol because it's smaller you know I remember playing with the bass player from Porter's Head and he's like a great jazz player and I'm like huh and you know you'd, you could hang out with Massive Attack back in the day in the pub and, and that type of thing the Bristol scene as such because of its size just felt whatever you were doing you felt relevant when you're in the capital which they are do you feel that you have to tie your your flag so to speak to jazz or a certain genre or do you feel free to to hang out with whoever you wish musically yeah I found it quite a struggle to be honest like I I feel like Mm. I'm definitely like I always describe myself as you know jazz scene but also like the punk and DIY scene like I'm quite I'm quite involved in you know a couple of like grassroots um promoter things and like I really like a lot of the kind of bands coming out of say like windmill and um venues like that and um and that's something well hold jelly we're going to stop you right there because the punk thing is what oh god so the diy punk thing how's that how's that working out i don't i don't hear that naturally at all on, on your playing that i've heard oh that's okay cool. well it's, it's in there somewhere just you wait um but yeah i mean i like playing power chords because i'm a guitarist and obviously my, f- my first love is always going to be Jimi hendrix standard yeah standard exactly so um yeah i mean like i said i, I don't really i didn't have any preconceived musical boundaries when i came to london uh, I just went yeah, to gigs. Yeah. I went to so many gigs and like I went to jazz gigs and like jams and I also went to like, you know, punk gigs and where there were like mosh pits that I had to avoid. <laughs> and um, yeah, like a lot of a lot of mates in both the scenes just doing so much great, inspiring, cool stuff. Um, yeah. And they're so different. The scenes are so different, but so similar in what I think is important, like that kind of experimental, just trying stuff out the centering of creativity in both genres um which i which i love and you know the kind of yeah uh, interestingly the, the kind of social causes and the so you know the social scene um mm. a lot of similarities but also 
polar opposites in terms of like you know with jazz with the virtuosity and the study uh whereas with punk a lot more you know aesthetic and um this this is what my music is about you can definitely get jazz artists who don't even don't really write about stuff you know they just write cool stuff mm. so there's you know so it's interesting like there's a lot they share and, and i and the things that they're different in are the things that i'm attracted to as well yeah. but it's very hard you know i literally have to play punk gigs and then i play jazz gigs and they're so different you know like yeah. in a punk gig uh, i'm just like okay guys let yeah. loose you know like jump about be have fun and we don't need to worry about playing all the right notes <laughs> and it's you know and it's like a release um yeah yeah but you know i'd like to go even further there because i feel like we're quite restrained still even you know i'd like to be way more you know about um that and then with the jazz stuff you know like i'm not i'm not john coltrane or whatnot uh you know i'd, I'd like to be able to run riffs around everybody you know we're not we're not quite at that level either and so it's like we're not even Mm. maybe we're not part of either world you know I'd like to be part of both (laughs) that's what I'd like to do that's kind of something that I am trying to figure out and it's kind of been paused because I can't do any gigs and it's it's 100% that for me that side of it is 100% gig focused yeah I mean I find that terribly interesting about the ability to sort of let loose in punk versus the desire for your musicality to express itself in jazz and yet both worlds not quite satisfying your your appetite for for whatever your creative out is the question is the blockers the technical blockers that may be in place that almost stop you expressing yourself fully would to me be a real shame and this is why i've this is why i'm asking about genres at the minute i've been asking about in the last couple of podcasts because i think it ties people to an accepted way of doing things and that's just limiting. And they might be technical limiting because you haven't had the time or the indulgence or whatever it may be to you know, get good on something or to do whatever that someone else did that they've now accepted as the standard way. But at the same time, I think it's really important that someone like you who sits at a junction or two or three, because I would throw folk in there as well, as well as the punk, as well as um, the jazz. But actually, I don't know I mean it, the sonorous songwriting, it, it seems something else as well. To do your own thing and to sort of, to damn you all this is this is the way right is that sort of the path you think you might go down just you're you're biding your time or yeah well for me I can't really help it like it's just it's just how I create like all this hybrid stuff like I just it's really it's like it's annoying for me you know I I know I can make life a lot easier for myself if I just you know put myself in a little box but I can't (laughs) um you know I kind of write ridiculous tunes and I'm like this is who I am that must attract other artists as well. So that's so why I was really, really interested in that single featuring uh, Shinaji because she's got a very distinct sort of sound that won't be boxed either, I, I would suggest. Yeah, I mean, I I feel like um, a lot of the amazing people around me who really inspire me, you know, they also have this kind of boundless creativity as well. Like yeah. um, some of the people I mentioned in Bristol, you know, I feel like they're the like like you said you know the the boundaries are way 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 down because they're all in such proximity yeah you know folk and jazz and heavy metal and electronics they're all just they're all just one pretty much because the pool of musicians is so much smaller or the pool of venues are it's all just closer to each other whereas yeah in london you know you've somehow it's a little bit more polarized but still you know the people who i most admire and the people i collaborate with i'd say we're all in the jazz scene you know in inverted thingies I'm just thinking of 
the pianists I know who shared Ravel or classical or the um, improvisers I know who dance as well and express their creativity through dance and people who you know play bebop and then will go and produce like produce like a house track you know the people who just can blow over anything whether it's like you know um old school 20s 30s hot jazz or or like you know some kind of experimental sound piece (laughs) while the world's maybe quite polarized people are dipping their toes into different ones the ones i'm closest to at least and we've had a lot of really interesting conversations about that i feel actually a lot of them are are younger than me even like in you know teenagers and bring early 20s so maybe there is a change coming yeah yeah well i i hope so because there's a reason this show is called the jazz junction but it's it is about where where things go and, and head and if they're always going down the same track it's a bit dull <laughs> so right we're at that stage of the show jelly oh. cleaver are you ready what are your top three albums of all time and why okay well if we're doing of all time well you know they don't have to be of all time but what 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 would you recommend? I feel like I would go for extremely classic albums, um, just because if it's you know I, I'd get too I'd get too stressed doing something which I found recently inspiring because it just has to be the pinnacle, you know. Like I feel like right. a couple of just perfect albums for me are Billie Holiday, Lady Sings the Blues. I think that is ridiculous how good that is. Then John Coltrane, Crescent is another album which I'm just I've listened to countless times yeah and then this you know this is hard because like you know I could say a Joni or I could say okay well I don't know if anybody's heard um Jeff Buckley live at Sinead it's literally just him voice and guitar and that album had a huge effect on me because uh I think my guitar style is quite unique because I had to play for myself and I had to develop that kind of sound and and like a lot of that was from listening to this one album again a million times <laughs> and I can literally Amazing. if you've listened to it you, he does a lot of monologues in between his his songs and I can recite them all <laughs> right so there we've got it we've got Billy Holiday John Coltrane and Jeff Buckley and as our triumvirate of recommendations so um we're almost at the end of the show but I forgot to introduce you Jelly to our house band so mm-hmm. nowadays it's an octet it was once upon a time a septet and this is who we've got in the band so we've got Vi Red the alto saxophone player, or Mark Nightingale on trombone, and we have Dizzy Gillespie on trumpet. So that's our front line. And then in the right. back, long-time uh, resident pianist now, uh, Duke Ellington. We have John Patitucci uh, on bass and Brian Blade on drums, uh, because we've had a lot of Wayne Shorter fans on the show. Uh, we've got Leanne Carroll on vocals and backup keys, plus... Uh, we have a guitarist at the minute. We've got John Schofield. Now, being a, such a generous soul, because you've been so wonderful <laughs> as a guest on the show, my gift to you is to let you change up to one of those players. Who would it be? And they're very unfussy. They don't mind coming and going. So you can kick anyone out. They won't take it personally. Who would I change? Don't offend anyone either. But you know what? You know, one thing which is weird about me is I don't listen to a lot of guitarists. I pretty much only listen to horn players. One of my favourite guitarists just ever uh, is Shirley Tete, which is really, really funny because um, she actually like uh, teaches me with Warriors and, and everything. And I just think she's so inspiring, like as a musician and as a person. She's an, yeah, she's a really incredible guitarist yeah. and really versatile. Um, so sorry, John Schofield, <laughs> I'm kicking you out. Yeah, right. John Schofield's <laughs> yesterday news. 
But we're so excited that Shirley Tete's joined the band on guitar, uh, keeping us right up to date and very relevant. So thank you, Jelly, for being with us today. You're an absolute star. Um, and we're going to do our level best to find a way to get you to come to Watford and play, hopefully as part of the Jazz Junction in a future year. I'd love to. Um, that'd be awesome. Uh, I can see it already. Um, so if you've liked what you've listened to today, make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any valuable episodes. And if you want to know more about Watford Jazz Junction, check out our website at watfordjazzjunction.com. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook. And as of the last episode, you can also email us at jazzwatfordlive at gmail.com. So you can send all your glowing feedback for we surely won't read any sad or mean stuff. Uh, and indeed suggestions for anyone you'd like me to chat with. Now, next time, I'm in conversation with my brother and sister for some genre-busting chat as we crisscross between our worlds of classical music, rock and jazz. Think of it a bit like a walk along a rainbow bridge connecting realms with the serpent of music wrapping us all together. Don't forget to keep your ears fresh and always connect with something new. So it's goodbye to you, lovely listener. It's goodbye to the fantastic Jelly Cleaver. Goodbye. And it's goodbye from me. Bye. Bye.